morning, here's what I'd like to do. If you are a veteran, uh, you served our great country, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. Could you raise your hand to room? And now what I'm going to ask us to do, at minimum, we owe these folks a debt of gratitude. Could you stand with me and honor these men and women who are raising their hand right now? Let's give it up for our veterans this morning. Thank you for the freedoms that we have because of your service and sacrifice. You can be seated. This morning I'm thankful for the privilege that I can be here and I can stand and speak from God's word without fear of my life, like uh, is the case in so many countries around the world for our brothers and sisters who have to do Bible studies in secret. And they're just hoping and praying that someday they'll actually be able to get a hold of a Bible to read it. And if they do get a Bible, that they'll be able to actually open that Bible and carry it without fear of losing their life or the life of those that they love. And we in this country have that freedom because of so many uh, sacrifices that have been made by your brothers and sisters here around you. And I think about, you have to excuse me today, by the way. My voice may just stop working altogether in the middle of this. I don't know. So we'll see. But I, I think about freedom and what we've been given in this country. You know, we have freedom uh, to uh, pursue happiness, liberty. We have uh, freedom in this country to disagree with one another. We have freedom in this country to uh, follow any particular religion that we choose. We have freedom in this country to vote for the right person, which we all know is right? You fill in the blank. (laughs) Or vote for the wrong person. We have the freedom to uh, protest. We have the freedom to be silent. We have the freedom to be unified as a country and be unified as uh, uh, those who have shared one American heart and one American spirit. We have the freedom to live in disunity. We have the freedom to neglect the fact that uh, we have had those who have went before us and who have sacrificed to give us those freedoms. And we have the right to, to really embrace and live in everything that our country has to offer, or we have the freedoms to sit on the sideline and to uh, reject that and not take full advantage of that. And I owe it to, and we owe it to, uh, those men and women, those soldiers who have gone uh, before us, who have went ahead to provide us those freedoms. And we have many rights in this country. We have many freedoms in this country. But this morning, I don't want to just talk about a soldier. I want to talk about a son. I want to talk about a son who came here who was Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the son of the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the firstborn among all men that through him, those uh, men and women could call on him and they could be saved and they could have not just freedom in a country, but they could have freedom from living under the bondage of sin. We could have freedom from living in a hopeless state where we're wondering and we're reaching and we're grasping in hopes that someday there will be an answer because there was an answer that was sent to us as a son who didn't just have a message to preach, but he had a mission to fulfill that those who called on his name would be saved, as it says in Romans 10, that those who call on the name of the Lord would in fact be 
saved. That was his mission. That was what he was sent to accomplish from his father sent to us. And we called him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He came here on mission for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord could be saved. Everyone, in other words, who calls on the name of the Lord could enjoy the freedom that he offers. So much greater than the freedom that our country offers for us to live in in peace and happiness here. He offers eternal reward. He offers eternal joy. He offers eternal peace. He offers eternal life that can only be found in him because he came here on mission to seek and to save the lost. To seek those who had no hope because they were being oppressed by their own sin, their own way of thinking, their own way of doing life. He came here to be freedom for those who would deal with the sickness and the disaster and the destruction that came when sin entered this world. He, he came not just to free a nation. He came to free people within all nations. He came to free people of all humankind, the human race, us people breathing, us air breathing people on this entire planet. He came here to give us freedom from the life that we would have lived on our own. The one that leads to bad relationships, the one that leads to uh, sadness and sickness and depression and no hope beyond our current present circumstance. He he came to save us in in many ways from ourselves, and he came to save us from the sin that others would bring into our life. He came to save us as people. He came to seek and save the lost. He was on mission, and it says that he, he came so that we could have freedom. Galatians chapter 5, it says that he gave us freedom. So live free. And so it must mean that there are some people out there who are not living in freedom. They, they have the freedom available to them. They know and, and maybe they even believe somewhere in their heart that that, that is the reason that Jesus came to, to give them freedom. Okay, I, I get that. But yet there are some people who they don't stay free. They don't live free. They don't tap in. They don't access everything that is available through the person of Jesus Christ. So it says Christ has truly come to set us Free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery of the law. What is the law? It's a man-made system. It was our best hopes, our, our best attempts at being right with God, at experiencing everything that he had for us. And so we find ourselves going to church and we try to read our Bible. And, and maybe you don't read your Bible and, and maybe you don't even come to church all that often, but you're here because somebody invited you. And maybe this is even your first time in church. I don't know. But we have this life where we, I'll be, I'm a good person. I mean, I'm, I haven't done anything illegal. I mean, I don't, I don't steal from people. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not rude to people. I mean, I help little old ladies across the street and out of their car and with their groceries at the store. I mean, I'm a good person. And we try to justify ourselves and provide our own freedom. But it says that we can't stay free that way. We have to be free from ourself. We have to be free from our best intentions. We have to be free from what we think 
we can do on our own, what we think we can grasp and attain on our own. And so we find ourselves in a system of doing life and a way of doing life where we have a version of what we think is freedom, but we don't really have freedom at all because it says that only through Christ can we experience freedom. And even then we have to stay free. We have to continually tap in to Christ and what he has to offer us. He has to, to offer us full, satisfying life. John 9 and 10, this is what it says to us. Yes, I am the gate, Jesus is speaking. Those who come in through me will be saved. Who are those? Just go ahead and point to somebody across the room from you. Go ahead. You can, we can be engaged here, right? Everybody awake? Just go ahead and point to somebody. That's, that's those. Those. Those people over there. Those people in the back row. I think it's too loud when they sit up any closer. That's okay. Right? Those people. It's those people across from you. It's, it's those people that you go to work with. It's those people that you, you see making a fool of themselves once in a while. It's those people that you have a really difficult time getting along with. It's those people who who didn't vote the way you did, who don't see things the way that you see it. It, It's those people across the world on the other side of the planet who have never met you. You'll never encounter them. You'll never meet them. But it's those people over there. It's those who come in through me. Jesus said he is the, the only way. He is the only truth. And he is the only life. There's no one who can come to the Father except through me. When he was here on his mission, he said, if you have seen me, then you've also seen my Father because I am in the Father and he is in me. Through him, we could be saved. They will come and they will go what? It's on the screen. You're not going to be wrong. Not a trick. They will come and go, what? Freely. And they will find good pastures. They will find good things. In spite of the fact that there is oppression in this world. In spite of the fact that we have an enemy who wants to get us down. Who wants to push us down. Who wants to hold us back. In spite of the fact that bad things happen in this life. In spite of the fact that we have trouble in this world, they will come and go freely and they will find good. When I was growing up in church, I can remember the preacher would come to the platform and he would say, God is good. And everybody else would say, and all the time. Yeah, I always thought that was really weird as a kid. I didn't get it, but it's true. God is good. And when we come to him, and only when we come to God through him, can we experience and have freedom. Can we have the good things that he has to offer us? Verse 10, it says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy you. We have an enemy We have an enemy that would want to rise up even within us. James said that we're we're led away oftentimes by, not not the devil. We oftentimes want to blame the devil. Oh, that this is just the devil working in my life. Number one, the devil can't be everywhere at one time. Okay, 
he's not that powerful. He's not like God. So don't put him on the same level as God as if they're equal nemesis. It's not the devil on your back, but it says, James says that we're led away by our own evil desires. It's what's already in there because I was born. That's it. All I had to do was be born. And I was born with evil desires because we were born into a sinful world. Had we not been born into a sinful world, it's not the devil made me do it. It's not the devil's on my back. It's I'm fighting against myself here. I need a savior from myself. I need Jesus to come and give me some freedom. I need him to give me some good stuff because without him, I'm subject to follow my own evil desires. I am not free to live out all that God intended for me, his plans for me. I'm only free to fall under to submission to the enemy of my soul. I'm only free to fall under submission of my own worst enemy that is within me, my own evil desires. And those desires will lead to you having nothing. You started out with something. You started out equally. When we came into this world, God had a plan for us. And even though we were born into sin, even though we are prone to make the wrong decisions, even though we are prone to make mistakes, God also had a plan. He also saw us in our mother's womb. And he said, I have plans for you. They are good plans for you. I have plans to prosper you. I have plans that you would be a conqueror, that you would not be a victim, but that you would have victory. God has plans too. And he wants to give us those plans. But we're settling. We're settling for less than what he has to offer, which is his purpose to give them a rich. And who's them? The person over there person over there, person you work with, person you don't agree with, person you'll never meet across the world. <clears throat> it's them. Everyone you look at, it's you when you look in the mirror. His purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life that is not of this world. If our riches and our satisfaction are outside of this world, then I think that we're missing it when all we're focusing on is in this world. See, we can't seek and desire and experience the plans that God has for us when we're constantly focused on ourselves. We're constantly focused on what's going on in front of us when we don't believe that God really is who he says he is. He said that he's good. He said that he is the gate. And when we go through that gate, we can experience and we can roam freely in good pastures because his plan is to give us a rich and a satisfying life. I want to tell you there's a freedom that is available to us that supersedes the systems of this world. There's a freedom that is available to us that supersedes the pain that you experience in life. There's freedom that exists for the lack of hope that we feel when we wake up in the morning sometimes. But we'll never experience We'll never experience full life. We'll never experience the full life that God has for us. When we see too close, when we pray too small, and when we believe too little. We'll never experience the full life that God has for us. When we see too close, we pray too small. 
and we believe too little. This week in particular, it's very difficult, especially if you're on social media at all. But if you pick up a paper still, I think they still make printed papers, right? If you turn on the television, it's very difficult to escape what's in front of us. We thought that things would die down after the election, and they haven't. I mean, it's there, it's, it's right in front of our faces. We can't experience the full life that God has for us when all we can see is what's right here. Look how bad everything is. Look at all the evil going on in the world. How did we ever get here? I don't understand. How did this happen? I mean, how could she ever vote for him? How could she ever have this view? How could he do that? You're not a Christian if. All some of us can see is the pain that we have in our life. Why did, why did my loved one have to leave this earth too early? We can't seem to move past it. And every day it's in front of us. Every day it's in front of us. We, we can't seem to handle what we perceive as rejection from other people. We can't see past the drama that's right in front of our, our face. It's, it's in our face. Our, our family's in turmoil. Our, our friends maybe have turned our back. We're, we're going through a very difficult time financially. And man, it's just all we can see. It's, it's right in front of us. And when we, we see too close, when we're examining too lo- close the, the problems of this world, we all of a sudden lose view of the fact that God is bigger than the problem in front of us. The rich, full, satisfying life that he has to offer us is so much bigger than the obstacle that we see in front of us. Jesus talks about eternal perspective. He talks about this life that we can have in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says anyone who builds a foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, verse 13. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. What are we building our life on, really? I mean, I think that most of us in this room, we have a relationship with God. We, we, we know Him. We've, we've served Him for years, maybe. But if we were to ask ourselves the question, what, what did I build my life on in the last seven days? I mean, we would say, well, of course, my, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and Jesus' blood and his righteousness. We would say that, we would sing that. But do we really live that? Do we really live as if him and, and our relationship with him and the purpose and the full life that he has to offer us is, is really our foundation? Because what happens when that friendship goes away? What happens when that bad diagnosis comes our way? What happens when the election doesn't go our way? What happens when things don't go the way that we think they do? Does our foundation crumble? Does it stand? Does it still say there is hope beyond this life? There is hope beyond what I see in front of me? Or do we fall? Do we crash and burn? 
Are her emotions constantly up and down and your family never knows what they're going to get from you when they make that phone call? Our kids never know which parent they're going to get when they get home from school because it's all up and down. We're riding the roller coaster of life. Today's good, tomorrow's bad. Today's good, tomorrow's bad. Oh, life is really good right now. My paycheck's good right now. My job's good right now. Everything's good. But the moment one of those things falls out of place, the things of this life, the things that are in front of us, all of a sudden our foundation falls apart beneath us because we're not really building the way that God intended us to build. We're not, we're not really using what he has given us. We're not using the tools that he has given us to build our life in a way that our, our future can stand, in a way that we can have significance and we can have value and we can tap in to what he said, the rich and satisfying life. If you were building a house this week, you would make a stop at Lowe's or Home Depot or the lumberyard because you know that you have to go and you have to pick up certain things. You have to use certain things if you're going to build that house. If you're going to build a life that stands, we have to have the right perspective. We have to pray big prayers and we have to believe that God is who he says he is and I am who God says I am. We cannot be limited. We cannot be limited by our small thinking. We cannot be limited by praying small prayers. We cannot be limited by believing too little and expecting too little from the God of the universe who sent his son to give us this freedom to build our lives on something that will last. Verse 15. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. I don't want to get to the end of my life. Think, wow, <laughs> what was I really building? I mean, I, maybe I built a kingdom and I, I had some money and I was able to leave kids some money, but I wasn't able to leave them the foundation that kids, Christ is all you need. If you never have another dollar, if God never blesses you with another job, if you're never healthy another day in your life, God is still God and he is good and he made a way that what happens in this life carries no significance in comparison to the next. So what if I leave my kids a million dollars if their soul is lost? So what if I'm able to give my family a great vacation but I'm never able to give them any quality time. So what if I'm able to provide for my wife, but she never really knows and understands the fullness of what it's like to be loved by someone else? I provided for her. I, I gave her what she needed. I gave her a home. I, but if she never knows and experiences real love like the love of the Father has for her through me, what have I really done? Well, Will my life just be burned up in the end? Will I suffer great loss? And, and it says the people, in other words, who, who don't stay free, like Galatians talked about, it's for freedom he set us free. So stay free. For those who don't stay free, for those who don't fully tap into the rich and satisfying life that he has to offer, 
says the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the wall of flames. There are some in this room, there are some that you know that maybe they're going to heaven. (laughs) I got my ticket, I'm going to heaven. But all along the way, my relationships will be terrible. My world will just crumble every time something doesn't go the way I think it should or the way that I wanted it to. My life will just be consistently up and down. I'm just going to struggle through my whole life. I'm just going to be a victim my whole life. That is not the life that God has called us to. That is not the life that is available to us. It's a rich and satisfying life. But we continue to build our lives on a foundation that will crumble when we see too close. Let's take a step back. I can see a little bit further now. We take another step back. I can see a little further now. When we pray too small, we believe too little about who God really is and who he's called us to be. This eternal perspective is talked about in Colossians. It says, since you have been raised to life with Christ, new life, It's not the one we were born into. We were born with these sinful desires. We were born to make the wrong decisions over and over again. But he gave us a a brand new life. He didn't come here to make bad people good. He came to make dead people who were already on their way to destruction in this life and the next. He came to make dead people alive. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven. The realities of heaven. And for a moment, I don't want us to think about heaven as a, as a place that we go. Heaven is, a, and is an experience. What, what if heaven is, is more like an alternate reality? It's a, it's a different system. It's a different way of doing things. I heard one person describe it one time as heaven is not necessarily a, a certain place in the sky as we like to think of it. But heaven is a dimension in the spiritual realm that we can't see with our eyes. And we have evidence of this when the Bible talks about our, our wrestling and our toiling. It's not with flesh and blood. It's not with one another, but it's with rulers and principalities of the air. It's with spiritual forces that are constantly at battle with each other going on right now in this room, but we can't see. But he says, when you become new, you can start to experience something you've never experienced before. You can start to experience some realities of heaven, even though you're on earth, which is why he asks us to pray. When he tells us how to pray, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in this spiritual realm of heaven, as it is in this perfection world called heaven, as it is in this new system of doing things, a a different system, a different way of thinking, a different way of living. Jesus could have come here, guns blazing. He could have come here and he could have overthrown the government of his day. But he had a larger perspective than that. 
He wasn't there just to save those who were under the rule of Pharaoh. He came here to save the entire world, then and for all time. His perspective was much bigger than what was going on in front of him. His perspective was much bigger than the rulers of his day. He saw a bigger perspective. And so he did not use weapons of this world, but he used weapons of service and self-sacrifice. He said, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to see how I've served you while I'm here, and I want you to serve others. He said, people will know you not because you protest the best, not because you make the loudest noise, not because you have the best Facebook post. You will be known as my disciples, as my followers, because you operate in a heavenly realm where we're focused on the realities of heaven. You will be known by love. I don't need guns. I don't need a weapon. That's not a a knock against having a weapon, by the way. I don't need that to make change because my, my battle is really not with this world. I am in this world, but I don't fight with weapons of this world. I come with the full confidence of knowing there is a bigger picture. And that's why Paul reminds us here about the heavenly realities, the heavenly experience that's happening among us right now. Since you, sorry, go back if you would. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor. Why is it important to focus on the heavenly realities? Because that's where Jesus is. And we've already established that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one who brings freedom in this life. Jesus is the one who gives full and satisfying, rich life to you and to me. It's that reality that should propel us through every circumstance of life. It's that reality that should propel us to love our neighbor as ourselves. It is that reality that should drive us to the place where Jesus was, where we find ourselves in him and we can come to the place where we say, I have been crucified with Christ. I don't need to make my opinions known. I don't need to show you how much smarter I am than you. I don't need to show you how much better I am than you. This is my perspective. I want to be known. I want to be heard. I want you to know my anger. I want you to know my frustrations. We don't have to live like that, getting our own way. Our life can be marked by something much more. Our life can be marked by experiencing life in heavenly realities where we serve and we die daily to ourself and our own desires and our own weaknesses, our own struggles, our own wants, our own needs for the sake of someone else. That's how we experience this full and rich and satisfying life. It says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. What are we spending our time thinking about? God's plans? His purpose? His purpose is much bigger than who he wants in the White House. His purpose is much bigger than how much money he wants you to make. His purpose is much bigger than a diagnosis at the doctor's office. His purpose, his mission, talking about a son, not a soldier, He came with a mission to seek and to save the lost. That's his purpose. 
For we die to this life. It, it means nothing. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. That's rich. That's satisfying. That's perspective. First John 2 says, don't, don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world. Love God. It's fine you're in the world. It's fine you make some money. That's cool. It's fine you have a big house. It's fine you have some success. It's fine you want to stay healthy so you don't get the bad diagnosis. It's all fine. We're in the world. But don't for a second live a week. Don't for a second live a day for this world. Sacrificing your love for God. Don't ever put the realities of this world ahead of the realities of the one that God offers. We can't experience this full life that God has for us when we, we see too close, when our perspective is not where it needs to be. Verse 16 says, for this world, <laughs> this world offers only a crazy craving for physical pleasure. I mean, a, crazy, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father. They're of this world. What are we building our life on? Are we building it on a foundation that will crumble? Or are we building it on the rock who is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God who wants to offer us full, rich, and satisfying life? Verse 17 says, And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. We have to expand our perspective. We have to see further. We have to see bigger if we're going to experience the life that he has for us. We don't experience the life that he has for us because we pray too small. And I don't mean to offend anybody here, but I, I often think <clears throat> about tater tot prayers. Anybody know what a tater tot is? You know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you know what a tater tot is. How many of you just love you some tater tots? Amen? All right, tater tots are awesome. And I don't really even know what they are. It's just like, like fried nothing, you know, like a tater tot. It's just a fried nothing. And yet we, we pull our fresh tater tots out of the oven and we sit them on the table before our kids and we all sit down and we say, guys, let's pray and bless the food. Can God really bless a tater tot? Can he really bless fried nothing? How many of us have reduced our prayer life to, God, help me to have a good day today? Can I just say something? You may kick me out or something. I don't know. But we actually don't need God to have a good day, probably. You know? Like, I, I, can, I can choose to wake up and have a good day. I mean, things can happen to me. You go into work and you get a raise. I mean, that's a good day, right? I don't necessarily need God for that. I mean, wouldn't it stand to reason that, that God has intended so much more for us by making a way that we could actually communicate with the God of the universe, the King of heaven and earth, the one that someday Hillary and Bill and Donald and all the rest will bow at the name of Jesus Christ. 
He's given us a direct line access to him so that we could pray a blessing over our tater tots. If God answered all of your prayers today, would the world be different? If God answered your prayers today, would there be any more who come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? If God answered all your prayers today, would you be able to follow his commandments any greater, which is to love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? If God answered your prayers, would it cause your marriage to be better? Would it cause your children to look at you, your, your children and your family who know you best? Would it cause them to respect you the most? Because you are so in tune. You are so in line with this direct communication that you have with him that you understand through prayer. I'm not talking about hours. I'm not talking about locking yourself in a closet for days. I'm talking about a prayer of the heart. A dangerous prayer of the heart. It says, God, I, I have this open line of communication with you. How dare I simply ask you for a good day? You have so much more for me than a good day. How dare I just ask you, would, would you be with me today? You're saved. If you've come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and you've confessed with your mouth that he is Lord and that Jesus or that God raised him from the dead, if you have a relationship with him, he's already in you. Do we really have to ask him to be with us? He can't be any closer than in you. God, allow me to experience the realities of heaven today. David had a, had a prayer from deep within his heart. Psalms 139, it says, search me, O God. When is the last time we've had a big prayer like that? Search my heart, O God. Search the innermost parts of me that no one else can see. Search the part of me that's not living life in front of others. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you. When is the last time we've prayed and asked God, God, what in my life offends you? What in my life offends the sacrifice that you've made on the cross? You had full life planned for me. You had abundant life planned for me. What in my life is taking away from that? How am I offending the sacrifice that you made on the cross for me? How am I offending the plan that you had for me? And let me just tell you, when you start praying prayers like that, when we start praying prayers like that, someone's going to come to your mind that you need to apologize to. You need to make things right with. Something's going to come to your mind. He's going to speak to you and he's going to say, you know that attitude you have toward this person? You know that attitude you have as if I don't really exist, like I can't even come through for you? You really have a lack of faith here, son or daughter. When we pray those kinds of prayers, search my heart, point out anything that offends me and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lead me. Prayer is, is really less about the fact that God needs us to talk to him. He's God all by himself. He was here before we were. He doesn't need us to come to him. But he wants to lead us. He wants our will 
and His will to come into alignment. And even Jesus, when He was walking this earth, He had to focus Himself on the realities of heaven. He had to have the kind of big prayer where He came to a point in a garden just before He knew that they were coming to arrest Him and take Him away and lead Him to His death for you and for me. He prayed the big prayer that said, Father, if there's any other way that I can give freedom to these people, if there's any other way that I can provide them with the rich and full and satisfying life, if there's any other way for this to happen, please tell me what it is. Please, please let this cup pass from me, he said, but he, he ended it with, with the big prayer. It's fine. Pour your heart out to God. Let him know how you feel. That's all good. But the big prayers that he desires from us is that we would be able to say what Jesus said. <clears throat> not what I want. Not my will. Not my desires. Not my agenda, God. But your will be done. Jesus brought himself into submission with his own father. Do our prayers align our hearts with the heart of God? Or are we simply asking for a good day and to bless our tater tots? We'll never experience the full, rich, satisfying life that God has for us as long as we're praying small prayers. Don't search my heart. <laughs> just, just give me a good day. Just give me a promotion. Just give me a raise. Just help me over here. Just help me over there. Search my heart, O oh God, and let me be found a good and faithful servant who can say, not your will, not, not my will in this life, not what I want, not my desires, but Father, your will. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. We often believe too little about who God is and who we are. Do you know that we are not bound to the sinful desires of our heart any longer? We sit around in our small groups. We sit around and talk with our friends and we, we take prayer requests and we say, you know, ju just pray for me. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of dirty joking in my break room at work and, and just, just pray that I won't, I won't fall into that and I won't laugh at the same dirty stuff. What are we talking about? Is that the rich, satisfying life? Is that, is that the kind of power that he intended when he said, I will fill you with my Holy Spirit and you will receive power to live a life of godliness? The goal and the intention for you in your break room is that you would be a light. You would be like a city on a hill in the darkness. You would be someone different than they encounter all week long. You would live life on such a whole other level that people are coming to you and saying, what is it that you have? I want it. We are a new creation. We are brand new. We don't live in the system of the old life. We don't live under the system of this world. We don't engage in what everybody else engages in. If you could go to 2 Peter, Karen. 2 Peter says this. 
But you are not like that. Speaking of the world, the way they think, the way they view God. You are not like that. You and I, we're not like them. We're different. We're set apart. It says you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, meaning you have direct access to God himself. You and I, we have access to the God of the universe. We can live lives with purpose. We can live lives with intention. We can live lives that make a difference in this world for the kingdom that is not of this world. We are royal priests. We are a holy nation. God's own possession. We are His. We do not belong to this world. We do not belong to the systems of this world. We do not belong to the kingdom of darkness. We are the possession of Christ Himself. Let me just tell you, there is no royal family in the world who lives like I do. I live in a relatively small house compared to a kingdom palace. I make decisions about my money much differently than the royal kingdoms of this world make their decisions. And this is saying that we are royalty. We are royalty in this earth. We don't belong to this world even though we're in it. If you're royalty, you're not worried about the same stuff everybody else is. If you're royalty, you don't make decisions like everybody else does. Because you have access, you have power, you have authority in the kingdom. You're not just a peon over here. You're not just living, just getting by over here. We are royalty. We are God's very own possession. We are not of this world. And the second we start believing that God is not who he says he is, that he is not good, that he is not a rewarder of those who seek him, that he is not really the only way, the truth of the life, that he does not supply us with the power through his Holy Spirit that we need to take the message of the gospel to those in our workplace, to our family, to our sons and daughters. The Bible says that we, we are royalty and we are his ambassadors. We are the ambassadors of Christ. We are the highest ranking diplomat in this kingdom, taking his message and his good news to the world. We are his highest ranking officials, spreading the gospel message to those around us. He says, as if God was making his appeal to your coworker, to your family member, to your son, to your daughter, as if God himself was making his appeal and making himself known through you. We're not like anybody else. We're special. We're something. We're empowered by the living God. We have the Holy Spirit residing in us. And when he said that he came here, and if you've seen the Father, you've seen me because I'm in the Father and he is in me, he finished that by saying, and you, and I am in you, rather. The Son is in the Father, the Father is in the Son, and the Son is in us. That means that the same power that conquered this world that conquered death, hell, and the grave lives in us. And you can believe that. You can believe 
that. And so I will no longer insult God. I will no longer insult the freedom that he has offered me and you. I will no longer insult him by seeing too close, by praying too small, or believing too little about who he is and who he says I am. And I hope today that he'll join me. Let's not insult God any longer. Let's live the lives that he's called us to live. And let's really not just experience and know that he has freedom that's offered to us, but let's stay free. Let's experience the rich, full, abundant life that he has for us and live life, live life with eternal perspective, knowing there's eternal reward, knowing there's an eternal system. Let's keep our direct line of open communication with God. Let's keep it big. Let's pray big prayers. Let's pray big things for our life. Let's pray big things for the lives of others around us. And let us truly believe that like John 3.16 says, the most common verse ever quoted, for God, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, who he is, and everything that he has to offer, shall not perish. They shall not have to live according to the standards of this world. They shall not have to live any longer toiling just with what happens in this life, what's right in front of us. But they will have eternal life, eternal perspective. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn us, but he came to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already. We were already condemned before he came. We were already on our way to hell. Hell on earth and hell in the next life. We were already on our way being condemned for our own evil, selfish desires that rage within us, that rage war within us. We were already condemned to follow our own passions, to follow our own desires, to follow the pattern of this world. We were already condemned because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This morning, you may be in here and you may be the one who's never made a decision to believe, to believe that Jesus is the one who can save you from the condemnation that you're already in. He can save you from the past that you've experienced. He can save you from the shame that was brought on you as a young child. He can save you from the uncertainty of the future, what will happen tomorrow. He can save you from the worry that you load your, your life down with. He can save you from the realities of this world so that you can experience the realities of heaven, so that you can experience a rich, full, abundant life. And this morning, I want you to know, as our our communion um, team is preparing. You can go ahead and make your way forward, communion team. We're about to receive communion. It's the symbol. It's the highest honor that we have on a Sunday morning that we could come and we can experience and we can remind ourselves about the heavenly reality that Jesus came into this world, not to fix the world, but to fix people in the world. Not to simply give us seven steps to a better life, but to give us a life that doesn't even exist in this realm. 
This morning, if you're in here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you just to say a prayer in your own heart. Jesus, I need you in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need the future that you have for me. Jesus, I want the full life that you have. I want the full satisfying life that you have. I'm tired of living on my own. I'm tired of doing it my own way. And this morning, God, this morning, Jesus, I accept the sacrifice that you made for me. And when you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are saved. You are adopted into the family of God. You are his son and daughter becoming royalty in this earth. that prayer in your heart even as I'm talking for the believer in here for the Christian for the one who is a Christ follower don't be the one who barely gets in (laughs) don't be the one who barely escapes the flames be the one who lives the kind of life that God offers for us be the one that others look to and say I want that kind of life can you tell me how to get it and be the one who shares the message of Christ. Be the ambassador that he's called you to be. Be the kingdom builder, the kingdom worker that he's called you to be. And this morning, as you are receiving communion, let us receive it knowing that we are receiving the gift of his life. He laid down his life so that we could have his life in us so that he could be reborn and resurrected to life in our very heart and our very spirit. And the same spirit that conquered death, hell, and the grave lives in us. This morning, I invite you to receive his body and his blood, remembering the sacrifice he made to give us freedom.